Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. It's not technically summer yet, but Connecticut's annual open house day could be seen as the unofficial start of the vacation season. The state-sponsored event is in its 12th year, where hundreds of attractions from around the state, from museums and galleries to theaters and historic sites, are free or discounted for Connecticut residents and visitors. Today, Where We Live will be joined by two residents in studio who know a lot about Connecticut's history and culture. They'll help you map out places to visit, places that make Connecticut unique. And we want to hear from you. What gems exist in your town that we don't hear about on the list of must-go-to places? What sites do you visit regularly that make you appreciate what our state has to offer? Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Email us at wherewelive at wmpr.org. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Where We Live. In studio with me is Bill Hosley, principal of Terra Firma Northeast, also a historian and preservation. Thank you so much for coming on Where We Live. Morning, Lucy. Also, Jonna Kaplan, a writer and a blogger at thesizeofconnecticut.com. Nice to see you, Jonna. Nice to see you, too. I want to start off first with Tim Sullivan. He's Deputy Commissioner of the Department of Economic and Community Development. Hi, Tim. Hey, good morning, Lucy. So we read this is the 12th annual Open House Day in Connecticut. What are the goals of this annual event? Well, one of the most important things that uh, that our office is focused on as part of our overall effort to support tourism in Connecticut um, is making sure that uh, Connecticut residents know all the great things that there are to see and do uh, right here in our home state. Uh, you know, about half of the overnight stays of people visiting Connecticut from out of state uh, are staying with people in private residences. They're visiting friends. They're visiting family. And we want to make sure that people that are the best ambassadors for Connecticut's tourism industry, the people that live here, you know, know the, the uh, great things that are happening and know all the new things that are happening at all the uh, attractions and locations around the state. And how has this event changed through the years? Well, it's always been a, a popular event, and this is the 12th year uh, the, the Office of Tourism is doing it. More than 170 um, institutions and, and um, attractions are participating, and so it's continued to grow and continue to be, uh, I think we think, even more impactful every single year. Um, what are some special sites that have not been featured that our residents and visitors could see this weekend? Well, I think, you know, the, one of the exciting things about it is, that, is the diversity of uh, all the various things there are to see and do. And, you know, some of, the, um, some of the attractions that are featuring, you know, discounts or free admission include, you know, places like the Wadsworth and the Twain House, the Harriet Beecher Stowe House, uh, Dinosaur State Park, the Nathan Hale House, really a great uh, diversity of opportunities all throughout the state, not just sort of the Hartford area. And I read um, if, if people want more information, they can go to, is it ctvisit.com? That's right. ctvisit.com is the brand new uh, tourism website that uh, we rolled out to part of a big commitment by Governor Malloy to invest in tourism. Uh, and uh, part of that was uh, redoing and refreshing our website. It's a great asset uh, and resource for people from visiting from out of state and also people in state to understand what's going on this weekend, this season, and uh, this year. You mentioned um, just uh, tourism in general. I was curious, you know, Open House Day is coming on the heels of cuts to the Connecticut Humanities budget. Um, before we get into specifics with our guests about the places that we want to see this weekend, um, you know, how will this cut, this $1.73 million cut, impact these smaller museums, these other cultural attractions that really make Connecticut unique? 
Well, I think you know, overall the, the state continues to invest quite a bit of resources uh, across a variety of different uh, organizations in tourism, whether that's specific institutions or whether that's uh, the statewide office of tourism that, uh, that I work in. And, um, you know, we think that, um, you know, obviously there's been cuts and there's going to continue to have to be hard decisions and prioritization around how that funding gets deployed. It's a major industry in Connecticut. Um, tourism employs uh, more than 82,000 people. It's added 2,000 new jobs in just the last uh, two years alone. And so uh, we think um, while those cuts are, are going to be difficult for everyone to manage through, uh, it's really important to continue to invest. It's uh, important to remember when Governor Malloy became governor, the state was investing a dollar per year in statewide marketing, and now we're investing you know several million dollars every year. So it's uh, it's a meaningful growth in overall resources. All right, Tim, I want to thank you. Tim Sullivan, Deputy Commissioner of the Department of Economic and Community Development. You can get more information about Connecticut Open House Day at ctvisit.com. Thanks, Tim, for your time. Thanks so much for having me on. And I wanted to turn to Bill Hosley. Um, You heard uh, the deputy DECD commissioner talking about the state has um, invested a lot in tourism over the last few years. But um, I think when I read your articles at ctexplore.org, you emphasize that it's the smaller sites that we may not hear about um, each and every day um, that make Connecticut unique. And so this this cut, even though it's only 1.73 million, you know, it could have an impact on some of these smaller sites that just rely on donations and volunteers at times. Well, I'm sure it, it, it will. And I think that, the, you know, the Connecticut Humanities is really the only publicly funded entity that we have that, that touches those smaller organizations. And Connecticut is uh, – the beauty of Connecticut, you've, you know, you've got these stars that people talk about all the time. But this is a place where the supporting cast is as interesting as the stars. And uh, you can almost throw a dart at the map and pick a locale or a region and and find extraordinary things. And a lot of those, most of Connecticut's museums and attractions are small. So they don't have lobbyists. They don't have the means to kind of manipulate the system. So the humanities is essential to them. And I believe um, uh, the Connecticut Humanities Council is asking residents and others that are concerned about these cuts to, uh, there's an online petition at their website. You can learn more at cthumanities.org. Johnny Kaplan, I want to turn to you. Um, You write the blog, thesizeofconnecticut.com. When you look at uh, what Connecticut has to offer, I mean, what draws you to certain places around the state? Um, it's really exactly what Bill was just talking about. The fact that you can go anywhere and you might think there is nothing to do there and you find, um, once you start to look around just a little, that there's a lot everywhere. Um, and it's really the sort of quirky, off-the-beaten-path destinations that I like to look for. And we're going to hear about more of those sites uh, in this hour. I wanted to take a call. Jessica from South Windsor, uh, welcome to where we live. Hi, thank you for taking my call. And tell me, uh, what uh, what would you like to talk about in terms of what visitors and, and residents should see this weekend? Well, I work at the Wood uh, Library and Museum in South Windsor, and we are exactly the type of place you've just been talking about. We're a, a small museum, and uh, we are only open two days a week, so this big event on Saturday is is a way for us to open the doors and uh, invite a lot of people in that, that might not necessarily be able to see us. We, uh, we're going to specialize in uh, three different areas. We have uh, Native American culture. We're going to have costume docents who are going to be talking about um, clothing and lifestyle of uh, the Native Americans that used to live in South Windsor. We're also going to be doing uh, wagon rides down historical Main Street. We're located in a wonderful area to see a lot of uh, buildings, uh, houses where residents who were pretty influential in South Windsor and Connecticut history used to live. 
and uh, and then we're going to also be focusing on our mounted bird collection. We're we're located at the head of the South Windsor Meadows, and uh, it's it's a wonderful place to to start and learn about um, some of the birds that still still use the meadows as a flyover and a habitat. I have to say, I've actually been to the Wood Museum. I just happened to get go there one day with my son. We were in South Windsor for a birthday party, and it was around the time I believe the Wood Museum uh, does the this gingerbread house fundraiser. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's probably what we're best known for is our our gingerbread house festival, um, and and we're hoping this weekend that we will be able to introduce people or perhaps reintroduce people to all the other things that we have to offer here. Well, thank you for your call, and if people want more information about the Wood Museum, anywhere online that they can go. Uh, yes, we are look, uh, online at www.woodmemoriallibrary.org, and we have some more details about the events and the timing. We're only going to be open from uh, 10 to 3, but it's going to be a beautiful day, so we hope to have a lot of people come out. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for your call. If you have an attraction in your town or city that you'd like us to talk about today, maybe we haven't heard about it, 860-275-7266. Bill, I wanted to ask you, um, you obviously are a historian, preservationist. You know this state pretty well. What's the strategy uh, to discover parts of Connecticut this weekend? Well, the thing that I try to do every year with this is, is again, find a locality where maybe there's a cluster of things that I haven't seen or I want to know more about that area and then try to pick up I – mean, the, the beauty of it is if you're sort of obsessive and you get hit the road at 8 and get there at 9 and keep at it till 5, you can pick off sometimes 4 and 5 different attractions in the same day. And it's it's really fun. I mean I've been some fascinating places like the Naugatuck Valley last year, which you know, I live in the Connecticut Valley. I don't think about that area as much. But gosh, there were some great things there. And Jonna, you're also from the New London area, is that correct? That's right. I live in New London now, um, but I grew up in Westport. And I know because people tell me all the time that they live in one part of Connecticut and they never go to another part. You know, at most it's two hours away. So really, if Open House Day provides you with an excuse to visit a region or even a town that you've never been to, um, it's a great opportunity. So let's talk about uh, the New London region, uh, the old Lighthouse Museum in Stonington. What can you tell us about that site? Yeah, so this is, um, first of all, if you've never been to Stonington, you really have to go. It's one of the prettiest towns we have, I believe. Um, this is an 1840 stone lighthouse. It's um, They have a lot of artifacts about um, work and life in Stonington throughout history. They have a rocket that was launched by the British Navy at the town um, during the War of 1812, as in the rocket's red glare type of rocket. Um, <laughs> really interesting. And they let you climb all the way up to the top, and you get a great view of uh, where three states, Connecticut, New York, and Rhode Island, meet in the Atlantic. Um, and they that's owned by the Stonington Historical Society. They also own the Captain Palmer House, um, which is participating as well. Um, he was a sealer, a seal hunter, who discovered what we now know as Antarctica. So um, that's also a really interesting tour. I've been to that uh, lighthouse. And, you know, when you think I, – I like to think of uh, these small museums. It's like the Connecticut Smithsonian is in all these particular mm-hmm. places. And that place – They've got great things that you will have never seen anywhere else. A I big mean, variety yeah, of things in a really small space. And a nice location, beachfront property there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of lighthouses, on the phone with us now is Susan Tamulovich, uh, Executive Director of the New London Maritime Society and the Custom House Maritime Museum. Susan, welcome to where we live. 
Yes, hi, and I'd like to say special hello to Bill and Joanna. Nice to hear you on the hey. radio. Hi. Um, uh, the Custom House Maritime Museum, you mentioned the mm -hmm. Stonington Lighthouse Museum. There's a great little group of organizations working together to make Connecticut's um, legacy and uh, really treasures in these lighthouses uh, more available to the public. And at our museum, we actually, uh, right now, the New London Maritime Society owns three lighthouses, but for one <laughs> issue or another, they're not accessible uh, to the public. Yet we have a great exhibition about area um, regional lighthouses here at our museum. So if you're interested in finding out about something that's a very uh, I guess you'd say a hot topic for tourism these days, lighthouses, you can come to our museum. We have a number of uh, boat tours, which we started six years ago uh, through the state. Again, I, I concur. I'm so sorry to hear about these cuts to the Humanities Council, and I will certainly be writing in support of reinstating them. But through the State Department of Economic Development, well, we've received a great uh, grant, a good to great grant is actually called, where we'll be putting a dock in at our lighthouse in New London, New London Harbor Light. But right now, we cannot land at the lighthouse, but we do have wonderful boat trips going out to all different uh, locations in the area. Uh, so if you want to learn about lighthouses on Saturday, you can come here. We have the great exhibit. Again, the Amistad, it's a little mm -hmm. disappointing that it's not available right now. There's uh, construction being done on it, repairs. But we have a wonderful permanent exhibition on the Amistad, which is always here for people to visit. Um, can I ask you quickly, uh, Susan, when you have visitors at the Custom House and, and the museum, are they from out of state or are they people in Connecticut who've heard about it and realize that we have a treasure in New London and they want to see it for themselves? Well, it's a mix, but I will say when we started um, doing work with our lighthouses, when we got the first lighthouse six years ago, we started getting people from as far away as Texas and Alaska mm -hmm. and Maine who were just kind of rabid lighthouse fans. And uh, that, that was surprising, and it's something that we'd never seen with our little custom house museum. Um, with the Amistad story, it's gotten a little more attention lately. We also find that we're getting from neighboring states a lot more visitors to see that exhibit. Uh, the the Custom House is a community museum, and we have uh, all sorts of quirky local things, like uh, it's this year in New London, the 100th anniversary of the sub-base, mm -hmm. which is actually across the river in Groton. But there are many people here who, because of the Navy's presence, are, are divers. They know how to do deep-sea diving. So one of the peculiar and most evocative exhibits we have at the Custom House is of vintage deep-sea diving gear, and it's a, a real favorite. It's something I've never seen at another maritime museum, and I've traveled quite a bit. Uh, and it's uh, very quirky and local to our area. So that's the kind of thing we show at the Custom House. All right, Susan. Well, thank you so much for your call. If people want to get more information about the Custom House, where do they go? Um, NL, as in New London, 
MaritimeSociety.org. And we. Oh, I think we lost uh, Susan, but we'll get that uh, e- the address to their website, and we'll, we'll we'll tell our listeners about that. Something that Susan said, uh, Bill Hosley, about community museums, and uh, I wanted to actually talk a little bit more about that. I think I had read in one of your articles at CT Explored. You know, we know we can, that Connecticut has 169 uh, towns and hamlets and villages and and cities, uh, but it's really the community that um, helps sustain these historical sites. Can you talk about some other sites that people should see in that region? Well, just just New London. I mean, I think the, the you know the Custom House is there on Bank Street, and Bank Street. I mean, one of the things on Bank Street is there's a restaurant there that claims to have the best chicken wings in the world, and I went there once, and I have to say <laughs> they weren't were very good. But but in terms of community museums, New London almost epitomizes. It's a place you know they don't have the you know it's not the Wadsworth Athenaeum of the Yale Art Gallery or Mystic Seaport these huge institutions everybody knows about but what they do have are half a dozen extraordinary small to mid-sized museums the Hempstead Houses Fort Trumbull the Shaw Mansion of the New London County Historical Society and then across the river right there really is Avery Cop House Fort Griswold the the best intact uh, earthenworks fort from the American Revolution, and uh, it's all walkable. There's a real ambience. I always, when I'm in New London, I always feel it's like it, it's an authentic place. The sea breeze and the kind of ocean front property and the huge end exit of the Thames uh, uh, re- River into the Long Island Sound, it's breathtaking. And Johnna Kaplan, who blogs at thesizeofconnecticut.com, you live in New London. What are some other attractions in that region before we go to the break? Well, I just want to add, since Susan mentioned lighthouses, um, and they're not as accessible as they should be, but you can see um, new, two of New London's lighthouses. Uh, if you just walk along Pequot Avenue, you can see the Harbor Light and the Ledge Light quite well. Um, so don't, um, if you're a lighthouse enthusiast, don't mm-hmm. skip out on that because you can't um, go inside. Um, also in Groton, at the Avery Point campus of Yukon, the um, Avery Point Lighthouse. Is that what it's called? Avery Point Light? Yeah. Um, that's You can walk right up to that, and that's a great um, newer, smaller lighthouse. We're previewing Saturday's Connecticut Open House Day. We have links to some of the places we're featuring our, on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. You can join the conversation with your suggestions, 860-275-7266. That's 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. When we come back, we're going to hear more about the historical homes around the state. Connecticut is the place for me. Miss every lake, miss every hill, even in dreams I think of them still. And when you see them, you'll agree, Connecticut is the place to This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Did you know the town of Portland is celebrating its 176th anniversary this year? You can learn more about its history at the Ruth Callender House Museum. It's just one of 200 destinations this weekend as part of Connecticut Open House Day. Today we're talking about the annual event in Connecticut meant to draw attention to the unique destinations around the state. 
with the hopes of attracting residents and tourists to visit. In studio with me is Bill Hosley and Johnna Kaplan, who both know quite a bit about the state's history and interesting destinations. They're helping us map out the places you may not know about. Do you have a question or recommendation? Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at WMPR. So we started at the uh, the southeast corner of New London and Stonington. Uh, Bill, as we look at historical homes and museums around the state, uh, which region should we head to next? Well, Norwich is very – actually still in the southeast, okay. <laughs> so maybe we should move elsewhere. I think okay. one of the things that interests me are uh, – you know, uh, people think of the American Revolution and they think of Lexington and Concord and they think of uh, Yorktown and Virginia and um, and Boston. But we have some amazing uh, Revolutionary War era sites and history here in Connecticut and probably – the best place uh, – one of the best places to experience that is in Lebanon, Connecticut, which has uh, the home of the wartime governor, John uh, Jonathan Trumbull, uh, which is a property of the DAR, the Daughters of the American Revolution. And across the street is the Lebanon Historical Society, which also has a house museum. And in that immediate area, which is really not much of a geography, I think uh, Tim Sullivan mentioned the Nathan Hale House, but there's also in Lebanon the, the Trumbull War Office and then um, the, the uh, Leffenwell House Museum in um, Norwich and the Prudence Crandall House in Canterbury. And these are all – Houses that tell a freedom story Mm -hmm. and uh, that story of freedom, which is, you know, how America gained its independence and our continuing journey of freedom. That's like one of the epic stories of America. So here it is right underfoot. And speaking of Lebanon, uh, we have Paul calling where we live. Hi, Paul. Hey, how are you? I'm well. Thank you. So I'm sure you wanted to. Speaking of Lebanon, one of the things that (laughs) I have, I belong to my farm is called Beltane Farm and we do a lot of. Uh, goat cheese, and we're open for visitors to come and taste cheese uh, pretty much every day, but definitely on the weekends, Sundays. Also, in the, in the area, there's it's kind of cool because there's Cato Corner Farm does all these beautiful cheeses, and, and so people like to do uh, a run-through to kind of do a little cheese trail. And, of course, right in Lebanon, there's a new winery now. And, of course, Colchester has Priam Vineyard. So, in that whole area, there's so much going on. I was going to mention about the Trumbull House, but it, that, that, that the, uh, certainly the, the common in Lebanon is interesting to see. It's one of the largest commons in, in the country, and it's still hayed, uh, and still people own frontage to it that live around it, just like in the old days, so it's kind of interesting. But we do have people come out a lot from, from Fairfield County, from New Haven County, and it really feels like coming to the country for them. <clears throat> And they, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, like to come, and we invite people to come to the farm and get to see other farms in the area and the wine, the vineyards. And tell us about your farm if we want to find out more online. A, a website? Sure, you can go to Beltane Farm, B-E-L-T-A-N-E, Beltane Farm. We make a whole array of goat milk cheeses and yogurts and different things. You can see the goats, uh, see the baby goats, and and uh, come by any time between like ten and four. And um, one, once you're there, if you want to go to some other, uh, um, do the goats behave? Point you in the right. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Do the goats behave? <laughs> They're very well behaved goats. We have one in particular that likes to lo- knock over little kids, but we always clean <laughs> that, that goat out. I'm well, coming. Not, you, you'll keep. <laughs> I want to take pictures. You'll keep that one in the shed for this weekend. Thank you so much, Paul, for your call to where we live.
<laughs> and we were talking historical homes. I want to take a, um, a call from Paula Norton. Paula, you're on Where We Live. Yes, hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Tell us about the site that's on the uh, Open House Day Trail this weekend. Okay, our site is the David Humphreys House, and the house was built in 1698. And we are right now we're under restoration, so we are open. The outside is um, covered in tithes, but the inside is totally untouched by the restoration. So once you get inside, you kind of forget that the outside is um, covered in tithes. I just wanted to make sure people knew that in case they drove by and thought that we were closed because there's scaffolding and things up in front of the house. Um, David Humphreys was an American Revolutionary War colonel, and he was an aide-de-camp to George Washington. And um, we have a program at the house called A Day in 1762, in which we um, educate the school children in the area and beyond on a life in the day of David Humphreys when he was 10 years old. Um, what we're going to be doing on Open House Day is we're going to have tours of the museum by our costume docents. There's going to be self-guided historic tours of the Elm Street area right around us. We're going to have demonstrations of spinning wool, demonstrations of dyeing wool with natural um, items found in nature. And then we're going to have the guests. Um, they are going to be the Connecticut 6th Regiment, and they're going to do some drills and demos and musket firing and stuff like that. So it's very exciting. We've been participating for at least 10 years now in the Connecticut Open House Day, and we offer free admission. We accept donations, and um, it's just a real fun day. It's something that we love to do. It's one of our favorite days of the year. All right. Well, Paula, thank you for calling from uh, the Derby Historical Society. She's the executive director, telling us about the General David Humphreys House in Ansonia. Learn more at derbyhistorical.org. We're getting a lot of calls into the show now, so I wanted to take uh, quickly uh, Bob from Old Mystic. You're on Where We Live. Hello, Hello. Bob. Can you hear me? Yes. And what would you like Uh, to add to the show? uh, Yes. uh, The Indian and Colonial Research Center in Old Mystic, uh, which is on it's on Route 27 in Old Mystic. Uh, it's a 50-year-old organization, which is a historical library and uh, museum. It houses the collection primarily of uh, a local historian and anthropologist, Eva Butler, uh, who did a lot of work on uh, local history, genealogy, uh, and Native Americans. Uh, currently, we have a, a photo exhibit of uh, old photographs from the late 1800s and early 1900s, uh, as well as uh, Native American artifacts. Uh, we're norm- normally open from uh, 10 to 4 uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we'll be open uh, for the open house from 11 to 3 this Saturday. Uh, we have a website, which is indianandcolonial.org. Uh, and much of our collection, uh, the historical archives and uh, books, etc., are on online and can be searched. Uh, we actually get a lot of uh, requests from people all over the country uh, uh, looking at uh, local uh, genealogy. All right, Bob. Well, thank you so much for your call. The Colonial Research Center Open House in Old Mystic, Connecticut. So put that on your list. Um, Besides talking about historical homes, there's lots of historical old school houses around the state. I wanted to take a call now from Melinda Elliott. She's calling the director of the Bullet Hill School in Southbury. Hi, Melinda. You're on Where We Live. 
Hi there. Thank you for um, including us today. No problem. So, Old School Houses, tell us about this place and how long it's been in Connecticut. Okay. Bullet Hill School has been in Connecticut. It was probably built somewhere between 1762 and 1789. We know for sure that it was being used in 1790. And the school was used as a schoolhouse um, up through 1941. Now, this is a two-story brick schoolhouse, which is, was very rare for that time frame. And the upper room, um, which has a, a big dome upstairs, um, was used for ball, ballroom, as a ballroom um, for public, public um, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. So events. The room. For public events. <laughs> yep. And at one time was used for a town hall. It wasn't used upstairs for school until 1928. So that made it quite interesting. Um, so we actually have reconstructed the downstairs so it is like a schoolroom that would have been in the colonial times. We have a living history museum where we invite the students from Region 15 and whoever else is interested to come and spend one day, one class one day, to experience what it would have been like to, to um, be in an old schoolhouse. So for um, Connecticut Open House Day, this is our second year involved. We're an all-volunteer all organization. The town of Southbury owns the building, and it's administered by the Historic Building Commission. The, um, for the Open House Day, we will have costume docents who know the history inside of and out of the building. We'll have uh, lots of colonial games for the kids to play and puzzle books. There'll be also an opportunity to sit and write with a quill, learn how to use a quill pen and slate and and slate pencils. Um, So I think it'll be quite a fun day. Well, it sounds like an interesting place, so we'll have to put that on our list. If you go to our website, wmpr.org slash where we live, you can see all of these places and ways to connect uh, to them, not only this weekend, but throughout the summer. Thank you so much, Melinda, for, Melinda, for your call to where we live. And I wanted to go to Jonna Kaplan, again, a blogger for The Size of Connecticut, a writer, uh, thesizeofconnecticut.com. We know that you enjoy looking and, and seeing these schoolhouses around the state as well. Yeah, um, I have developed a bit of an old schoolhouse obsession. Um, I have, if you like old schoolhouses, I have, um, in addition to my personal Instagram, I have an Instagram account that's called Old School CT, um, where I collect these historic schoolhouses all around the state. And um, Bullet Hill is a good example of one of the bigger, it, it's not the small one-room wooden schoolhouse that you might think of. Um, it's a beautiful, larger brick building. Um, but these little wooden schoolhouses, there are so many of them around the state. Um, you might think that there's one in your town that you've seen, but there, I promise when you start looking for them, there's so many. Um, in various states of preservation, a lot of them preserved very nicely um, and used for educational purposes. The so, earliest one I ever saw, and, and you probably know of uh, earlier ones still here in Connecticut, actually the town of Waterford has has a really early schoolhouse. And it's, you know, surprising because a lot of the school, one room, so-called one-room schoolhouses that survive, many of them are early 19th century. They're not mm-hmm. ancient, but this thing is really cool. Yeah, I love the water. And the way Waterford has it set up um, with the old buildings all in a row, which a lot of towns actually do little collections of all the historic yeah. buildings together, and that's a great way to see it. Um, yeah, a lot of schoolhouses are actually, um, obviously, they, they're not the sturdiest of buildings, so the, the one you see now is a replacement of an earlier school. But there are quite a few that are pretty old. Is it surprising to see so many in the state, or is it just that it shows well, that... Well, there were hundreds. They, mm-hmm. People could, couldn't, they, you know, there were no buses, so people had to be able to walk to school. Most towns had six, seven, sometimes as many as ten 
little schoolhouses so people could get there, and probably 90% of them, maybe 95% of them have been demolished, but there were hundreds. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the state of Connecticut, do we see more of these schoolhouses preserved here versus other states? Do we know? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I've never tried to do the same kind of thing in, say, Massachusetts or New York, but um, I know that we do have quite a lot, and there are some towns like Killingworth comes to mind and um, Hebron that still have um, multiple schoolhouses. I worked in historic preservation in Vermont when I was young, and and this was in the 70s and early 80s, and the the hippies would go up and they'd buy these old schoolhouses and live in them. So there were a lot of schoolhouses that had been converted into one-room homes. Well, that sounds interesting. Uh, and we, I know we've been focusing on the southeast corner, now on the western side of the state. I want to take a call from Eileen, who's calling from the Manchester Historical Society. Eileen, you're on Where We Live. Good morning. I was listening to the program as I was driving to the Manchester History Center here in Manchester, Connecticut. And I used to be one of Connecticut's regional tourism directors, and this is my hometown. So here I am now um, you know, promoting what we have in Manchester, which is um, a rich history. Um, We're in the midst of the Cheney Brothers National Historic Landmark District, and the Historical Society um, owns and operates several uh, historic sites, which will be open on Connecticut Open House Day this Saturday. And uh, there's lots going on. There are local history walks. We have a loom exhibit. Um, We have the old Manchester Museum, which has um, formal exhibits, and they're changing, and uh, they... They're very interesting uh, about local history. Uh, We have the Cheney Homestead, where the founders of the silk mills, the textile mills that are here, um, and are beautiful to look at. And there's there's a walking, uh, self-guided walking tour. Uh, They were born there. And then we have the um, history center where I am now, which was the former machine shop for the silk mills. And we have the Keeney one-room schoolhouse on the property of the homestead. And then we have the Woodbridge Farmstead, which is at the historic Manchester Green, and that is uh, the former Meadowbrook Dairy Farm. And with the help of the State Historic Preservation Office Historic Restoration Fund, we've just restored one of the oldest barns in the state, uh, a 1780 um, dairy barn. It's an English style, and we're going to uh, develop that into a public museum for um, agricultural history of, of local Manchester and, and New England. Um, so we want to invite people to look at our website where you'll get all kinds of information, and it's manchesterhistory.org. And in addition, we have a wonderful fire museum that the Cheneys built that is open also this uh, Saturday. Um, and it's all right in this area, um, very easy to get to off of I-384. So we're hoping that, um, you know, people will stop by here. And um, I we have a historic downtown Main Street as well, which is right around the corner from us. So there's a lot to do in Connecticut. I agree with your um, caller earlier in the show. Um, Lots of little pockets of history and and exciting um, adaptations of the history into, um, you know, current use. Well, thank you so much, Eileen, for your call from the Manchester Historical Society. We're going to take one more call uh, before the break. Karen Hutkins, you're on Where We Live. Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> and so what would you like to tell people to check out this weekend? Well, first of all, we love Open Museum Day. We've participated the last couple of years. It's always been a great way to drive attendance. I think our first year we had over 100 people, and people drove up here from Waterbury. So it's a 
wonderful program, and it's a great way to get people to into these smaller museums that you guys have been talking about. And I'd like to invite everybody to come to New Britain and visit the New Britain Industrial Museum, learn a little bit about manufacturing and the products and processes that were innovated and invented here that drove uh, the American dream basically for most of the 20th century. And when you're in New Britain, there are other things you can do. You can go to the New Britain Museum of American Art, or you can also, if you want, take an urban hike through the city. The city's just put up all these wonderful historic signs and have developed these walking loops around the city. So it's a great day. And you can come here and get take a picture, a <laughs> selfie with Seth, Judd North, and Frederick T. Stanley, the two big dogs of New Britain manufacturing. <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. And quickly before the break, a, a website that our listeners can check to learn yeah. more. It's, thank you very much. It's nbindustrial.org, and we also have a Facebook page. All right, Karen, thank you for your call. We're previewing Saturday's Connecticut Open House Day. We have links to some of the places we're featuring on our website. Again, wmpr.org slash where we live. One time for the place to be, be. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Coming up on tomorrow's show, have you ever hiked the Appalachian Trail or Pacific Crest Trail or wanted to? How did that trek transform you? On the next Where We Live, we'll talk to hikers about what compels them to take a walk in the woods. We'll also talk to hiking historian Silas Chamberlain about his groundbreaking, or should I say, trailblazing new book on the trail that's coming up tomorrow. Today we're talking about Open House Day in Connecticut. The State Office of Tourism is sponsoring an event this Saturday. More information at ctvisit.com. In studio with me are two Connecticut residents with a lot of knowledge about our state. Bill Hosley, principal of Terra Firma Northeast, also historian and preservationist, and Jonna Kaplan, a writer at thesizeofconnecticut.com. We're getting a lot of calls. I want to take a call now from Mike, who wants to talk about Hartford Blooms. Hey, how are you? Look out your back window and you'll be able to see part of Hartford Blooms. Uh, the Nile Street Garden will be part of it. Anyway, my name is Mike McGarry and I'm involved with this Hartford Blooms for quite some time now. Um, both Saturday and Sunday and all next week we have Hartford Blooms. Hartfordblooms.org is all the various tours. Nine days of garden tours. But tomorrow, Saturday, not tomorrow, but Saturday, uh, we do a shuttle all around the West End. And there'll be a lot of things open in the West End, a lot of private public gardens, houses, architecture, as Bill well knows. I think I know that guy named Hosley over there a little bit. <laughs> uh, anyhow, and then uh, the next day, Sunday, is the uh, Colt Tour, where all that, everything in the Colt area will be explained by me and another guide or two. Uh, the Colt thing is really spectacular, as Bill well knows. He wrote the book. Uh, people will be able to go up in a dome. They'll be able to get an update on all the development in Colts, so be able to see Potsdam Village. I tell these stories that Bill might not tell about um, some modern history of the Colt area. For example, Bill, you might remember when they saw Jesus and Mary in the trees. Oh, yeah. That's some story, I'll tell you. It's kind of sad looking now, but boy, that's some story to tell. You know, every bus that I'm on, I say, is there anyone here from the, uh, the ACLU? Because I have to tell you, you're looking at something not quite legal. And Bill, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it sounds like so. a lot of inside stories on the Colt building, but we know it's a historical significance. Uh, but thank you, call, thank you for your call, Mike. If we want to get more information about Hartford Blooms, where do we go? Hartfordblooms.org. 
Oh, that's Very easy simple. enough. <laughs> well, thank you again, Mike, for your call. Um, he mentioned gardens in the West End. Um, I wanted to turn now to Jonna Kaplan, again, a writer for the size of Connecticut.com. One of your latest posts is this beautiful English garden in Litchfield County. Is that right? Yes, um, the Hollister House Garden in the town of Washington. This is a beautiful 1770s homestead. Um, a gentleman purchased the house in the 1970s named George. He was an antiques dealer, and he created out of uh, ground that was previously used for agriculture, this amazing terraced garden. Um, it's really, it's quite large. It's got a lot of different sections, little pathways, secluded spots. It's really something you'd expect in a public park like Wickham Park in Manchester, except you're getting a glimpse into this private home. Um, and it's really, you don't have to be the type of person that would typically take a garden tour to enjoy the site. It's just um, stunning and historic all at once. And what's the best way to check out a place like um, this secret garden that you found? Is there a website, or do you need to call to make reservations? Um, no, uh, they do have a website. Um, I, it might be hollisterhouse.org. Just Google Hollister House, and you'll find it in the town of Washington, Connecticut. Uh, Bill, since we're talking about Litchfield County, any gems that we don't often hear about that our, our listeners should visit? Well, she mentioned, uh, Jonna mentioned uh, the Hollister House, uh, the Bellamy Faraday House and Garden in Bethlehem is really impressive. And uh, there are, you know, there are kind of garden sites everywhere. But Lich- Litchfield County, I think, one of the neat things about Connecticut is you've got all this history and art side by side, all this nature. So and you mentioned the Appalachian Trail, 51 miles of it cuts through Connecticut. But there's, it, particularly in the Litchfield Hills, it's just nature is so abundant. And there's a lot of natural attractions, waterfalls, gardens, you know, it's just a great place to poke around. Since we're on the western side of the state now, I want to take a call from Patty. Uh, you're calling where we live. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you? Well, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from the American Clock and Watch Museum in Bristol. So this is something that um, we remember our manufacturing history. Tell us what will be planned this Saturday for Connecticut Open House Day. Absolutely. So we are open uh, free to the public from 10 to 5 all day. And one of the things that we're going to be highlighting is actually the insides of the clocks and people get a chance to see what makes a clock tick. Quite literally, we've got a couple of people who are going to be here throughout the day taking apart some of the movements, showing people really how the clocks and the watches work, and talking about the important history of the clock-making industry here in Connecticut. It's interesting you mentioned watches. What are those these days? <laughs> I know. Well, actually, they're really popular right now for men. It's an it's a up-and-coming collection for men, really. <laughs> nice. Well, Father's Day is coming up, so that's good to know. Thank you so much, Patty. A website for people to check out, the we, Clock Museum. Sure. We are clockandwatchmuseum.org. All right, and we want to take a call now from Pat, uh, calling from the Middlesex Colonial Historical Society. Hi, Pat. You're on Where We Live. Hi. Um, wh- I uh, wanted to announce that the Middlesex County Historical Society, which is at the General Mansfield House at 151 Main Street in Middletown, will be participating in uh, Connecticut Open House Day, will be open um, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and it will be the last day to get a tour of our Civil War exhibit, Hard and Stirring Times, uh, because we're going to be uh, preparing through the summer for a new exhibit that's coming up. Um, so if you would like to um, know more about Middletown and the Civil War um, and just stop by and see our house, um, uh, you can get more information at middlesexhistory.org. All right. Well, thanks, Pat. Thanks, Pat. And I'm a, a resident of Middletown, so that will be an easy thing for me to check out this Saturday. I appreciate your call. That sounds great. Also, uh, Deborah now from New London. You're on Where We Live. Hi, Deborah. Hi. Hi, it's Deborah Donovan, and how are you, Bill? Hey. 
<laughs> I wanted to just talk about, just briefly, about the new state park, which is being kicked off shortly in New London and Groton, the Thames River Heritage Park. Um, this is a park that's been about 30 years in the in the planning processes from by the state, by DEP, DECD, DOT, and uh, people here in New London and Groton. And um, it's been finalized and officially formed. We have a board of directors of a foundation that will support it. And the idea of the park is a park without boundaries, sort of a virtual park, which will connect and coordinate all of the smaller museums and historic sites within the Groton City, Groton Town, and New London areas, um, many of whom you talked about today and, and talked with Susan Tamalovich, for example, at the Custom House. Um, the anchor sites for this park are Fort Trumbull and Fort Griswold on either side of the Thames River. And all of these sites and places will be connected by a water taxi. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Starting next weekend, um, we hope it will be next weekend or the weekend after, a uh, water taxi which will be running amongst the, the sites. It will go from Fort Trumbull to downtown New London to a dock in, in um, Groton City right below the um, fort and eventually will connect to the Nautilus Museum where plans are in process now to build a dock pending funding. Um, but that's, that's in the works. So ultimately the, the loop will extend up to the Nautilus. But starting this summer, it will run around all day long from 10 to 8 o'clock at night connecting these sites, which are always in walking distance on both sides of the river. And some of the sites of the Avery Cop House, the Custom House, the Nathan Hill Schoolhouse, Shaw Mansion, Hempstead Houses, Lyman Allen Art Museum, all of these places, the Ebenezer Avery House, and, of course, the two two wonderful forts that, that have been discussed. Deborah, so, we were talking about the uh, restaurant on Bank Street that has, they claim to have the best chicken wings yes. in the world. Do you think they could uh, cater those for the uh, water taxi? That would be well, kind of fun. Actually, the idea is that this will bring people not only to the historic sites and will coordinate events and, and connect the stories and, and make the stories more clear and show the context of our history in this area and in Connecticut, but it will also bring people into the restaurants and the shops, you know, the ice cream shop in Broughton and the ice cream yeah. shop on Bank Street in London, the Wings Place, Hot Rods. Um, it, you know, it's a very exciting, very exciting idea, right. and the state, it's a state park. All right. Well, Deborah, thank you so much. We're short on time, but I appreciate you letting us know about this great water taxi, and, and uh, Johnna Kaplan is here from the size of Connecticut.com. You'll have to take a trip and let us know uh, how it is. Uh, I just want to take a few emails um, from listeners. Uh, Sharon mentions Dividend Park in Rocky Hill, a well-marked, beautiful site to hike through. You'll find waterfalls, historic sites, and you can spend about an hour uh, of your day there. And she mentions Dinosaur State Park, which is more well-known, is near there as well. Also an email from Melody, a must-see important Connecticut treasure on the campus of Norwich Free Academy is the Slater Museum. I wanted to actually um, ask our in-studio guests, Bill Hosley and Jonna Kaplan, we don't want to leave out the uh, wealth of art museums and galleries in the state. Uh, what are some that visitors should be seeing this weekend or this summer? Well, I had the Wadsworth on my list, and I know that Bill can talk more in-depth about the Wadsworth than I could, but I wanted to say, uh, first of all, you know, it's a world-class museum um, feel on a small scale, so you can go there. Um, it feels very grand, but you can get it all done quickly and not feel like you have to set aside days for it. And it's also right in downtown Hartford, and I lived in Hartford for about two years, and 
I learned that a lot of people still think Hartford is really scary, and it's really not. Um, and so there's a lot of these museums, like the Mattituck in Waterbury, they're in locations that are really fascinating to explore, and these museums are a good jumping-off point to do that. Well, one of the places on my short list, you know, if I were throwing a dart, it was to actually go to Ridgefield, and Ridgefield has the Keeler Tavern, which is an amazing historic site, but they also have the Aldrich Museum of Contemporary Art, a really first-class art experience that many people may not have seen. Other art museums that fly a little bit under the radar, uh, she was mentioning the Slater Memorial uh, Museum, in uh, Norwich, which if you want to see what the Victorians had in mind when they invented the American Art Museum, Slater is just gold. It's just an extraordinary place. Uh, Florence Griswold is essentially an art museum. They do wonderful work with Connecticut art. And down in Greenwich, uh, the Bruce Museum uh, keeps hitting it out of the ballpark. They're always having new exhibits, and they've got a great permanent collection. We just have a couple minutes left. I know, Bill, you also have a a Facebook uh, page or a group. Tell us about that, where people can learn more about Connecticut. Creating Sense of Place for Connecticut was founded in 2010, and I, you know, I don't blog, I don't write extensively, but anywhere I go, uh, you were talking about the Humphreys House in Derby last year. I went and I take photographs, and I'll post pictures and give a little plug to the thing. And there literally are hundreds of sites around Connecticut on creating Sense of Place for Connecticut, a Facebook community. And it's a nice place to go where um, when we have uh, the budget constraints weighing on us, uh, people talking about leaving Connecticut to remember the assets that are around us, the resources that are all here. You know, that's why I love – I moved here from New York and Vermont, and I just love being here because the proximity to all – we're just engulfed in content. Wonderful stuff, art, history, nature. And then if you know, if you need a little more in New York, Boston, Block Island, uh, Vermont, everything's closed. That's right. That's great about uh, this part of the the country is that it it all is very close. I want to thank uh, Jonna Kaplan, a writer of The Size of Connecticut. Just under a minute, can you tell us quickly what's the place you're going to visit this weekend? Um, I think I might go to Mystic because the aquarium is having discounted admission, nice. and I might I might go full tourist and do the whole Mystic thing like I haven't done for 30 years. Well, again, I want to thank Johnna Kaplan, writer at thesizeofconnecticut.com. Thanks for joining Where We Live today. Also, Bill Hosley, principal of Terra Firmer Northeast, also a historian and preservationist. We heard him mention creating sense of place for Connecticut. Look for that on Facebook. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Tucker Ives. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. Our digital editor at WMPR is Heather Brandon. Executive producer is Katie Talarski. You can continue this conversation on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. We'll also have a bunch of links of all the places you've heard today for Connecticut Open House Day on Saturday. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.